directing us. Back in early, early October of 2016, um, I uh, had the, the privilege of preaching a message to all of you entitled, Where Are We Going? It was one of the very first messages that I was able to do as pastor here, and we based it out of this exact same passage, and we looked at what was the purpose of a church? What, why does the church exist as a whole, and why do we exist as First Baptists? And then what, what are the things that we have been given as the church to do in order to accomplish that purpose? And so where we're going this morning, just so you have an idea, where we're going this morning is to look at what's that purpose and how are we doing in accomplishing the things that we need to be about in order to get there? Uh, and so we're gonna, we've got a lot of ground to cover, and I'm going to cover it fast. And so I hope this morning uh, that you will take good notes so that you can go back and look at some things that we discussed this morning. Not only that, but we will be, I will be periodically saying, I hope that you will pray for this. And I hope that you will make a commitment this year to, to pray about some of the things that we are talking about this morning, about how we as a church, how we're doing and what we can, what we're doing well, what we continue to want to do. Um, but then also the, the challenges that are in front of us for this next year um, as a congregation. All right, hopefully you found Acts chapter 2. Um, again, we're looking, we're starting in verse 40, um, and we will be going through 47. So if you would stand to re honor the reading of God's word this morning, then we will do that together. Just to give you a little bit of context as we jump into 40, Peter here is preaching um, to a crowd on the day of Pentecost, and we catch the end of that here in verse 40. It says, And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and they had all, and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning and, Lord, we stand before you as your people. And, Lord, Lord, may it, may it be our hearts that we desire to accomplish the purpose that you have for us as a church. I, f I pray this morning, Father, that you would help us to recapture that purpose. And that you would help us to see these areas, Lord, that that the early church did and that you would help us to apply them to ourselves and not that we do everything exactly the same way but because Lord certainly things change but Lord that we do them with the same heart and the same motivation to see you glorified and to see lives changed. Father I pray this morning that you would open our ears that you would open our hearts Lord help us not to be like the fool who just hears it and then lets it go. But Lord, may it change us this morning. May your word be an encouragement. May your word be convicting as well. We pray all of this 
In the holy name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So, as I was going through this message, I wanted, I wanted to start and make sure that you understood that at, to some extent this is a sermon and that we're going to be looking at some different things, but it really is a family meeting. And so, because at times families need to get together and say, hey, what's going on here? And, and to, to sort out what, what all is happening and to have, have conversations that are honest. And I hope this morning that the conversation that you and I are able to have, though it may be one-sided, sorry, the conversation that we have is one of not all, is one of encouragement, certainly, that you hear that God is doing some great things in our midst of the church. But there are also going to be times as we go through these five areas that we're going to get ready to talk about that, um, that there are some challenges before us as well. There are some areas where we need to be encouraged in a different sort of way to say, hey, let's get it in gear, let's go. Um, and that comes out of a heart of love. Um, it comes from, obviously, our Father in heaven first, um, as he desires these things, and we're going to look at that as well, but it also comes out of the heart of, of, a, of a love of a pastor. As, as I observe where we're at as a church and, and lead out, and know that in all of these areas, or, or at least in the vast majority of them, there are things that I go, man, that's something that I need to do better as a leader. That's something that I need to do better as a pastor to show that example to, to the congregation, and just because I'm a believer just like you are. And so I'm not perfect in all these areas, but I hope, and, and again, I pray that uh, as we go through these, that we would see this as a church and say, okay, how, how do we move forward in this area? But also, more, and maybe more importantly, that you as an individual believer say, I want to be committed to that. I want that to be a part of my life because the Lord has commanded it and because I know that that's going to lead where I need to go. All right, so first question that we have is why does the church exist? Okay, why does the church exist? Very simply, the church exists to glorify God. We see this in Romans 15, 5 through 6, a very easy summation of what we're to be doing. It says there in verse 5, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. But what does it mean to glorify? Well, if you look in, in a dictionary or a thesaurus, what you're going to see is a definition there that it's to praise or to worship. Synonyms include to praise, to extol, to exalt, to revere, to show respect to, to honor as a deity. In other words, to, to say, yes, you are God, you are the creator. And that should be our desire, that should be our purpose as a church to want to see God glorified in our lives as we show Him honor, as we show Him thanksgiving for all that He has done for us, as we show Him respect that He is due as the creator of all things that we see. But we also want to see Him glorified not just in our own lives, but in the life of our church and in the lives of those that are outside of our four walls. As we take this gospel, this message to other people inside of our community, inside of our families, inside of the state of Missouri, inside of the nation, and to the ends of the earth. That should be our desire and our motivation. And one of my questions, one of my challenges to you this morning is if that is to be our motivation as a church, then it is also to be your motivation as an individual. And is that so? Is that the case? That your motivation 
for how you live your life, your motivation for how you go about things is that God may be glorified. In talking with a, a friend this week, we, we discussed how so often we as Christians, we as individual believers look a lot like the world that we live in. And part of the reason for that is because we have the exact same motivation that they do. We want to be comfortable. We want to be well taken care of. We want to have as much resources as we can. And to some extent, to some extent, there's not a huge problem with that, except for that for many of us, that is our main motivation and it is our only motivation. And the glory of God never enters into our thought process Monday through Saturday. For some of us, the glory of God never enters into our motivation process from 11.16 on Sunday to Sunday morning at 8 o'clock. Our motivation needs to be this. It needs to be him and directing that. However, there's going to be challenges. There will be challenges to that. For one, Satan doesn't want us to do this. He doesn't want the church to accomplish accomplish this task of seeing God glorified throughout the world. He doesn't want that to happen, so he's going to send attacks. He's going to have times when he tries to divide us and he sends dissent. And we need to be a church that's quick to have conversations with one another to get things cleared up so that we may be a church that's quick to forgive. There's going to be other challenges. We live in a culture that's post-Christian. It used to be, and I, I, man, I've had this discussion like 15 times this week. It's funny how that kind of works out, but it, we, live, we no longer live in a culture. We no longer live in a society where the expectation is to be a Christian, to be a church member. And because of that, we're going to have to do some things a little differently. We're going to have to understand that, that is, there's no longer this social uh, pressure to go to church on Sunday mornings. And because of that, we must be genuine. We must develop relationships. We must be more intentional about going out and helping people to see our lives and understand why we're different and what the gospel is and who he is. There will be other challenges for us as a church in terms of maybe stewardship as we Pray over how God would best have us use our resources, whether that's financial resources or whether that's human capital. As you know, we we talk about what ministries God's still leading us and and what that looks like and how we best use our, our volunteer and, and your time. It may be with buildings. Many of you know that we have a building committee that or a building facility reuse committee, whatever you want to call it. OK, to, to explore that. Um, to see if our facilities are best meeting the needs of our congregation and for us to be an outreach. All of those things are things that we as a church need to be praying about. And I ask you to pray with us as we go over that. That isn't something that just me as a pastor needs to be praying about. Those challenges are not something that just our deacons need to be praying about. All of us as members need to be praying and asking the Lord to help guide us through those challenges as we seek to glorify him. So if our purpose, if what we're supposed to be doing is glorifying God, if that's the reason we exist, then how are we to do that? What are we to do then? Well, I think in this, this passage that we've just read, we see five things. Five things that we as a church are to be doing. First, we see evangelism. We see it specifically through Peter in verses 40 through 41 as Peter is calling on people to turn and to repent and accept Lord, their Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. 
We have a responsibility. We have been given this great message as believers and as a church to go out and to let people know what God has done for them and what he has rescued them from if they will accept it. We are to be about evangelism as a church. We're to be about teaching as a church. We are not interested in just converts. We're not interested for someone just to say magic words, for us to get them wet, to sign a piece of paper that they're a member, and then let them go. We want to make disciples. We want to make followers of Christ who then make other followers of Christ. And so we are to be committed to teaching, and not only teaching ourselves and, and, and allowing people, other people to pour into us, but us pouring into others. We're committed, we should be evangelizing, we should be teaching, we should be about prayer. Verse 42, they were committed to the prayers. Prayer is the lifeline of a church. Every revival that has happened, every great movement of God that has happened started with people crying out to Him. And we as a church must be committed to that as well. Number four, we're, not, we're to be committed, we're to be doing evangelism, teaching and prayer. We're also to be about encouragement, generosity, and hospitality. And you see that as these gather, as these believers gathered together, they shared food together, they shared concerns together, they helped meet one another's needs. In order to meet needs, by the way, you have to know about the need. So they knew each other's lives well enough to do that. They had each other in each other, they had each other in their homes. It's about encouragement, about generosity, about hospitality. And then lastly, we're to be about worship. You look there in verse 46 through 47, and it says, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received food with glad and generous hearts. Daily they were worshiping together. Daily they were coming together. It is important for us. It is important for us as believers, as a church, to take this time that we dedicate on Sunday morning seriously and for it to be a special time for us as a church family to gather together to worship and to sing praise to the God that has done so much for us. From creating us and giving us the air that fills our lungs. To ultimately sending his son to die on the cross for us. To save us from ourselves. To save us from our own sin and the consequences that come with it. Worship is vital to what we do as a church. And what we do in our passion and our purpose of glorifying him. And that leads us to this next part. How are we doing? Okay, if, those, if our purpose is to glorify God and what we are to do in order to accomplish that purpose are these five areas that the early church patterned for us, then how are we doing? How are we doing? And so that's what we want to look at real quickly through this next part is to look at these five things and say, okay, God, how, how do you think we're doing it? And to take a quick look at that. First, how are we doing in evangelism? You can see we looked at that in, in verse 40, but also in Matthew 28, 19, Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are commanded by our Lord to do this. It is not optional. It is not something that we can just say, well, I'll do it when I have time, or I'll do it if uh, my favorite phrase that I use all the time too is, uh, I'll do it if God opens the door. Uh, God has open doors all around you. You're just supposed to do it, okay? Just go for it. And you know what? There's some great praises here. 
There's some things this last year that God has done in our midst that we should be on the mountaintops singing about. One of those praises is in the last year we have had 11 baptisms. That is awesome. That is a woohoo. That should get us excited. We have had the opportunity to, to watch 11 individuals see God change their lives for eternity. That's amazing. And we've gotten the opportunity to be a part of that through baptism as they've joined our church family. And you know what's exciting about that too is many of them have been our kids. They've been our children as we've seen God call out their name and get to see God get them at a young age where he can shape and form them and keep them safe in many ways. That's exciting stuff. Another praise is that we've seen some great contacts in ministry. I'm so thankful for those of you that are involved in areas of ministry like the prison ministry and like the food pantry and Awanas and VBS where we have seen people come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior because of those ministries. It's a great thing. It's a thing that we should praise God about. It's a thing that we should honor Him for, for allowing us to have the opportunity. It's something that that should be commended here as well for those of you that are involved in that. Not only that, but one of the things that comes to my mind when I think about great things that God is doing in our midst in terms of evangelism is giving to missions. For those of you that don't know what the cooperative program is, the cooperative program is a, is a system, is a, is a plan put in place by Southern Baptist churches where we gather all our resources together so that we may do more together than we could ever do apart. It's the reason that Southern Baptist Disaster Relief is the largest disaster relief organization in the country. It's the reason that the International Mission Board is the greatest sending agency in all of the world. It, it, it gives us the ability to do more. And it gives me great pride, and maybe I shouldn't have pride as, as a pastor, but it gives me great pride as I, as I look in this last year, I can tell you that for a church our size, we were in the top 10 of giving to the cooperative program in the state of Missouri. That's a great thing. And let's remember that uh, because we do membership the way we do, our membership is 600. Like it's not just the people that come on Sunday morning. Okay, so we're actually listed in the group of a 500 to 1,000. That's a big deal, and I'm, I'm proud of that, and I'm thankful for that, that there are many among you who understand the importance of the gospel, and you give generously to that area. That's good. We need to continue that, and I hope that God continues to bless us in that way, that we get to be a part of that. But in all of this, there's a challenge. Yes, we have seen 11 baptisms, and we have much to praise for. Yes, we have been able to make contacts through ministry, and that is a good thing. Yes, we, are, we have been generous towards the cooperative program and towards giving so that others may hear the gospel. But my challenge to you this morning as an individual believer and as a church is to go. Go. Because for many of us, for many of us, it's easy to say, well, there's an offering. There's an offering for international missions this week or there's an offering for North American missions this week and I'm going to give a dollar amount. And we think somehow that absolves us of what Jesus says in Matthew 28, but it doesn't. We have a responsibility to share with our own mouth what he has done. And you, as a believer, have people in your life that you come into contact with on a regular basis. Maybe they're not best friends. Maybe they're not family, but you have people that you come into contact with because of work or because of some place that you volunteer or an organization that you're involved with who do not know Christ. 
And you have the opportunity and the responsibility to develop a relationship with them so that you may allow them to see why your life is different, how your life has been changed because of Jesus Christ. And then to invite them to have that same thing happen. I hope, I hope and pray that some of you will be motivated to do international mission trips. I hope that some of you will be motivated to do uh, uh, local mission trips, whether it's to South Dakota or North Dakota or wherever. But my bigger prayer is that we will catch a vision to accomplish this task here in our own community. That we will not wait for some new believer who's on fire to do 5,000 baptisms, but rather those of us that have been believers for 20 plus years will say, this is my responsibility and God has done much in my life. I need to be the one sharing this on a daily basis. So with evangelism, there are some great things happening. And as a church, I hope that you're encouraged. 11 baptisms, contacts and ministry, incredible giving towards the cooperative program. But I also hope that you hear the challenge to go personally, to find that person. And we're going to give you opportunities this year to do that. We're going to have an opportunity this year, two opportunities this year called Your One Sundays. Your One Sundays are designed to do this. For the month leading up to it, we're going to ask you to pray about the one person that God's put in your life who needs to hear in Jesus Christ, who needs to know about him and hear the gospel. That one person in your life that you can say, that's it, that's the one. And then on a particular Sunday in March and a particular Sunday in September, we're going to ask you to invite that one person to church. We're going to ask you to, to ask them to come. And they're going to get an opportunity to hear the gospel. They're going to get an opportunity to see what a loving church looks like and why we're here. They're going to get an opportunity to know us a little in a little bit different light. So you're going to have that opportunity. We're going to revamp popsicles in the park a little bit and have an opportunity to invite people to that. So I hope that you'll take that up as well. There are going to be different opportunities for you to do that. But I also hope that you take that opportunity just in your day-to-day -day life. So that's how we're doing evangelism. How are we doing in teaching then? Matthew 28, 20 finishes that commandment. It says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always until the end of the age. Praises here. We have a great Sunday school system. We have some amazing teachers. And I'm so thankful for them and the time and effort that they give to prepare lessons. I know that that's for many of them, and, and I think all of them, that's not something where they wake up at 6 o'clock on a Sunday morning and they go, oh my gosh, I haven't done it. No, it is something that throughout the week that they have, they have prepared, they have put time into, and I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful for those that participate in that. I'm thankful that today is the beginning of our small group ministry. Many of, your small group, many of our small groups are starting for the first time this, sometime this week. There's one that's going to be starting a little bit later, but for many of them, they're starting this week. And I hope that you'll join me in praying for that as God has led us down this path. And I believe it's going to be a great opportunity for us to see unity in our church, but also to do outreach. And we're excited about that. And I'm thankful for those that have, have signed up for that and have stepped into that. I'm also thankful for different Bible studies that have happened throughout the year and the opportunities that we've had to invest in those as, indivi as individuals. Excuse me. The challenge here, though, is to get involved. Yes, they're out there. Yes, we have this Sunday school system. Yes, we have these small groups. Yes, we have these Bible studies. But you need to get involved as a member. Are you a part of one or hopefully all of those things? I had a mentor in college, and I'm pretty sure that he stole this from somebody else. But he said that all of us need a Paul, a Barnabas, and a Timothy. A Paul is someone who pours into your life. 
It's that teacher. It's that Sunday school. It's that small group leader. It's that older, maybe adult, that pours into your life wisdom from the Word of God. And then you have a Barnabas, and Barnabas is that person that encourages you and helps keep you accountable. And then you have a Timothy, and that's the person you pour into. Do you have those? Can you identify those people in your life? Because all of them are vital. If a, I kind of compare it to a sponge. If a sponge sits there and never gets any water, it dries out and it becomes brittle and not useful anymore. And the same comes up. So if we don't have that Paul who is pouring in the word into us, then we do the same thing as believers. We get dry and brittle and we don't become very useful. But the opposite is true as well. If we pour into that sponge, but then we never squeeze it, we never use it for its purpose, then what happens? It gets sour. And then it begins to stink. The same is true of us. If we come on Sunday mornings only, and we sit and we absorb the word of God, but we never get squeezed, we never pour out what we have learned through the grace of God into someone else's lives, then we become sour and we begin to stink. Don't be a stinky, sour sponge of a Christian, okay? Be someone that pours into someone else. Make disciples, not just converts. And the way that you do that is get involved. Sunday school is better when there are people there. Just the way it is. Like, you may not be the teacher, but God may show you a truth, of a nugget of truth to share with the rest of the group that they need to hear in that moment. Peter, for crying out loud, stuck his foot in his mouth every opportunity that he got. But when it came time for Jesus Christ to say, who am I? God spoke into Peter's mouth so Peter would have the right answer. If he can do that with Peter, he can do that with you. So be involved. You don't know how God wants to use you in that way. All right, so that's how we're doing in evangelism, how we're doing in training. How are we doing in prayer? Colossians 4.2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in thanksgiving. This is a commandment throughout the New Testament. We need to be involved. You're going to notice that I'm going to talk, start talking a lot faster, so you're going to have to write notes a lot faster. All right, so we need to be involved in prayer. It's an important part. It's a lifeline for what we do. Nothing happens of great value unless we have prayed over it and we have sought God's will out for it. And I'm thankful for things like Wednesday night. And I give praise for those of you that come on Wednesday night. We have an opportunity to come before the Lord and lift his name up in thanksgiving as we thank him for the ways that he's answered prayer. We, thank, we uh, bring to him prayer requests that have come up. We pray for ministries in the church and we pray that God would send revival. We pray that he would pour his spirit out in a special way. And I'm thankful for Wednesday nights. I'm thankful for the encouragement that they are to me and hopefully for the others that come. I'm thankful for several of you who come up and say, hey, I'm praying for you or I'm praying for Melissa or we pray or we have an opportunity to meet together and then we pray for the church or whatever happens. I'm thankful for that. But my challenge for you and for me this morning is do we make it a priority? Because we need to. We need to make it a priority in our own individual life if we expect God to do something there and we need to make it a priority in the life of our church. And that may mean revamping Sunday morning just a little bit so that we can make it a priority. So prayer isn't just an opening and closing thing that we do, but that there's more to it on a Sunday morning. Not sure what that looks like yet. But I believe that that's going to be an important part. It means maybe on a Wednesday night that you make that a priority, to come and to be a part of that, to be with brothers and sisters, lift up youth. Many of the great movements of God started with youth praying with youth praying. What is your part in that? 
How are you going to do that? How are you going to make it a priority? I don't care that you can't drive yet. Do it. This is where you can get involved. Sorry for you youth that can drive. You can be involved too. Okay, so how are we doing in those areas? And then fourthly, how are we doing in the areas of encouragement, generosity, and hospitality? 1 Thessalonians 5.11, 1 Timothy 6.12, or 17 through 19, Hebrews 13.2, which by the way is one of my favorite verses. It says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. And I challenge you to go back and look at those verses and see what they say about these three areas of encouragement, generosity, and hospitality. And we have much to praise for here. I'm thankful for this church and I'm thankful for what God has done in our midst in terms of encouragement. God has uh, blessed Melissa and I. So many of you come up and, and or have given us letters or said things to us and whether they're true or not about, about encouragement, I appreciate them. Um, but we, we do feel that. And I pray that that happens between all of you as well, that there is encouragement that happens as you go to one another and you attempt to lift one another up. There's great things to be praised for in incredible generosity, incredible generosity among this church. In fact, if anyone is at fault in this, it's me as maybe I, I fall short in allowing you guys to know about needs. Because anytime I, I have expressed a need for something, uh, I've just been blown away. And so I hope and pray that you will continue that, that you'll continue to be a generous church and generous believers. And I pray that, that also that'll be an example to some of the rest of us. That it'll be an example to some of others of us in here that, that maybe don't understand what that looks like, but that we will join in as part of our, our church to be, to be incredibly generous. But there's also a challenge. And if you want to blame this one on Colton Strother, then I encourage you to do it. But it's to be intentionally hospitable. Hospitable. When Colton was here and he preached out of Hebrews, one of the challenges that you may or may not remember is he said, do you know the color of carpet of your friend or of your neighbor or of your acquaintance? Do you know the color of their carpet? Have you been in their house or have they been in your house? Do you use the resources that God has given you in your home and what's in your refrigerator and in that grill that he allowed you to buy to use that for God? To use that to build relationships so that people can see how you are different and that so that you can have the opportunity then later maybe to explain what Christ has done in your life. To have an opportunity to say, hey, we just want to pray for you. Like, is there something that we can do that with? Or to encourage a brother or sister in this church. Or get to know them so that you can join together in the work that he has set before us. And this is what I would ask you to pray for. And Melissa and I have tried and failed and tried and failed in this area throughout our marriage. But uh, this is a challenge for us as well as for you. I would pray about this. Would you pray about you, how God would have you to use your home for the gospel? Maybe that's to take a challenge to say once a month we're going to have somebody in our home. Maybe it's a church member or they're in their family. Maybe it's um, maybe it's some a coworker that you come across. But once a month you're gonna you're gonna invite somebody in your home and have a meal, and just live life with them. It's kind of scary, okay? You don't want weird people in your house because weird people in your house means they're going through your medicine cabinet. But do it, okay? 
Let them see the fact that you have to take crazy medication as well, okay? You're losing your hair, so, you know. Go for it, though. Let them see your life. Let them see how it is to have crazy children. Oh, wait, you don't have crazy children? What? No, okay? Let them see life. It's okay. But then let them see how because of the gospel you respond to it. That's going to change lives. That's going to have meaning. Maybe it's something else. Maybe hospitality. Maybe your house. You're like, there's no way I'm inviting anybody to my house. There are these things called restaurants that you can take people to, and they will serve you food. Okay? Hospitality. How, how are you going to do that this year? How are we going to do that as a church? All right, last one. How are we doing in worship? Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another, in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Again, we have some great praises here. One of the things that I consistently praise God for is how I have seen over the last year and a half as we have come together for there to be more of a spirit of family in our midst. When I first got here, it was not uncommon for like 99% of you to run for the door when I said amen, okay? Now we see people standing around and, and there's a, a genuine sense of togetherness a lot of times. And I, I pray that that increases and I pray that God continues to build that together. I, I pray that that would continue to mature in our lives through small groups and through other ways. That that family feeling would increase. We also see it in our praise team. I appreciate the men and women, not only the not only our praise team, but our those that do handbells and special music and, and share their gifts and talents to bring us in worship before the throne. I know that they spend hours to, to prepare for that. I know that they worry over it more than they probably should even at times. I'm incredibly thankful for their flexibility. I know that I can go to Frank on a Sunday morning and say, hey, I'm going to totally trash everything you've planned this morning. This is what's going to happen. And Frank goes, okay, I'll tell Jennifer. It'll be fine. Like, that's how it goes. Like, and I appreciate that. And you should know, not every church has that. Not every church gets to be a part of that. Not every church can have Russell come play the piano when somebody's sick, okay? It's a good thing. It's something that we should be thankful for, something that we should praise. But there's also some challenges here that, that I, would, I would issue to you. First, come ready. Come ready for service on Sunday morning. If you're like me, Sunday morning is when everything like hits the fan in your life. Like you're like, the kids are most crazy. Like everything that you forgot to do all week suddenly comes to the forefront of your mind. And then somehow that affects Sunday morning. So I would challenge you during your week, pray for your Sunday morning experience. Pray that God would prepare your heart to come in this room. And then be ready to worship. Be ready to open your heart. I know as Baptists, the word emotion makes you like that child. Like you're like, emotion? Like we can't show emotion because if I smile during singing a song, next thing you know I'm handling snakes and speaking in tongues. Like we can't smile. Heaven forbid. But God has done something great in your life. God has saved you from your sins. That's worthy of a smile. That's worthy of praise. When we sing about the weight of the sin that God has cleansed for, that's worthy maybe of a tear even. 
I know I'm a, your pastor, and I know you've seen me cry a billion times. You're like, that's easy for you. But trust me, like God's done much in your life. Allow yourself to experience that. Allow it to deepen your worship, not just as a head thing, but also as a heart thing. Because if I'm honest, and, and this is probably, this is, might be a little harsh, but if I'm honest, there are times as your pastor that I sit in front and I listen to us sing a joyous song about what God's done for me. And instead of praise, what I hear is drudgery of a funeral. And I know as your praise team, they would never say this out loud probably, but they see that as well on your faces. What has God done in your heart? Allow that to come out in your worship. If we are motivated to praise God, if we are motivated because of all that he has accomplished, all the blessings that he has done, then that should be apparent in the way that we praise him. Allow that to happen. Allow your heart to open up to that. Be ready for that on Sunday morning. And then lastly, be faithful. Be faithful. We need you here. A friend of mine put it a great way this morning as we were, or this week as we were talking about this. It was, you know, as you prepare a meal, sometimes you forget a seasoning or you forget one ingredient. And maybe it's a small ingredient, like, you know, half a teaspoon of nutmeg. And the food that you prepare is still edible. Like, it's still eatable. But it's not what it's supposed to be. The same is true of the church. We can do Sunday morning. We can do it without you. But it's not the same. It's not what it's supposed to be. We can do the ministry of the church without you. But it's not what it's supposed to be. God has gifted you and talented you and put a desire in your heart specifically for this place. And we cannot accomplish all that we are to do to glorify God without you. Now I understand that there are times when you're going to miss something. Okay? It's okay. Vacations are okay. All right? They're fine. But it should be a heart of passion and a heart for the church that brings you here on a consistent basis to join with us as a family. And not only that, my prayer, and I, and I pray that you will pray this as well, is that this year that you will pray and make a commitment. You know better than I who hasn't been here. You know what part of our family is missing. Will you go to them and say, we need you. We miss you. There is a hole in our heart. There's a hole in our family because you're not here. Come back. Come back and join us. We need to come ready. We need to be faithful. The truth is, all of us want to see the success of the church. We all want to see her praise and worship God together. We all want to see her give glory to God. We all want to see her be here for our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. We all want to see the success of the church as she seeks to glorify God. But that means her members must be healthy and devoted. It means we as individual believers and as a collective family must be willing to embrace these five areas and do them to the best of our ability and even farther to the grace of God. Which leads us to this last slide. Last year, our theme, whether I really put it out there or not, our theme last year was how our faith impacts our everyday life. And we saw that through James, and we saw it through the life of Boaz, and we saw it through the summer as we, we took our faith and applied it to several different areas of our life. 
I saw it through community and how our faith is, is to be expressed in community as we have relationships with other brothers and believers. This year, this year, God is leading us, I believe, God is leading us to a theme of healthy believers, healthy churches. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or you do, not, do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless you indeed fail to meet the test. We need to have checkups once in a while to be healthy. And so I believe the Lord is leading us down a path of saying, Am I healthy as an individual believer? Because if we are not healthy as individual believers, then we will not have a healthy church. We need to look at ourselves. We need to inspect ourselves and hold the mirror of Scripture up and say, this is who I need to be. This is who God has, has for me as I become to look more in His image. But the equation goes the other way too because healthy churches make healthy believers. So we're going to look at what does a healthy church look like? What does a healthy church act like? Towards the end of the year, we're going to be exploring that so that we can help create healthy disciples. It goes both ways. And so I ask this morning, I've asked you to pray for a lot, but I ask you this morning that you would pray for this as well. Pray that as we go through this year that God would help us and God would show us what it means to be a healthy believer in a healthy church. He has given us a guideline. He's given us a blueprint in his word. Help us that he would help us to see that and to apply it to our lives. There are going to be times that's uncomfortable. I don't know if you've ever had a healthy health checkup. I have. I, I went to my doctor not long ago about, well, actually it's been about six months ago, and he started asking funny questions like, have you ever checked your blood sugar? Or have you ever thought about exercising more? And I started to think, well, this is kind of uncomfortable now. I don't know that I want to talk to you. I don't know that I ever want to see you again, in fact. Okay? I don't know if you've ever had a doctor's visit like that, but it happens. All right? Sometimes checkups are uncomfortable, and I hate to tell you, but this checkup at times is going to be uncomfortable too. There are going to be times when God shows us things in his word that you're going to go, you know what, why don't you go exercise a little bit there, buddy? Why don't you check your own blood sugar? There are going to be times like that, okay? Allow God to do that in your heart. Take it seriously. Don't, don't refuse that, but open it up to it and allow him to change you. Don't say, well, I'm not going to go to that church anymore if they're going to talk that way to me. Well, okay. Have diabetes. Okay? Not really. I hope you don't. Okay. But I hope that you will invest in this next year to say, I'm going to be there. I'm going to make a commitment because I want to be a healthy believer and I want to be a part of a healthy church. We're going to have the praise team come back up. And I, I know we're running a little behind this morning and, and I do apologize for that. But we're going to have the praise team come back up and they're going to just lead us in a time of response. And for whoever's stand this is, I'm really sorry. We're going to have a time of response, though. And I'm going to ask this, and I know this might make you feel a little uncomfortable as well, but I'm going to ask this response of you. If you are able, and I realize that there are some here that aren't, but if you are able, I would ask that you would join Melissa and I as we come up front and we just pray for our church this year. Would you join us this morning in that? Again, if you're not able, I understand Please pray for that exact same thing this year um, where you're seated, where you're seating. But if you're able, would you come join us this morning as we as a family ask God to do these things in our midst, to lead us, to guide us, 
to protect us, to have others join us for the glory of God in all that we do. Let me pray for us, and then we'll have that time of response. Father, thank you this morning for all that you've done. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to come together as brothers and sisters. And Lord, I I can think of nothing greater than being able to be a part of a family, to be a part of a church like this, Lord. And I'm thankful for the the hearts in here that we have have a desire to, to glorify you. We have a desire to see you lifted up, Lord. We have a desire to see this church continue to be healthy and to to grow and to prosper whether whatever that looks like in your great plan but father we can't do it on our own lord we may recognize the five areas we may recognize what we're supposed to do but but it's very hard for us to do it unless we have the holy spirit inside of us it's very hard for us to do unless you do it through us so lord i pray lord i pray Come into our hearts and do a new thing. Come into our midst and do a new thing. Lord, we are calling out to you as so many have called out to you before. Trusting and knowing that you hear us. Lord, I pray. All of this. In your blessed son's name. Amen.